Welcome to another episode of Muslims Want to Know, the show where I try to answer the questions you have about the Bible and Christianity. I'm your host, Reverend Eric Mason. Well, I hope by now you're starting to get a feel uh, for how I'm structuring our conversations around answering your questions about Christianity. Each podcast builds on the information from the previous ones. So if you're joining us for the first time, I recommend going back and listening to the previous episodes before you start this one. Now, as always, if you like this podcast, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcasting site. And as always, if you have specific questions about what you heard on the show or want me to elaborate a bit more on a point I make, you can submit questions through my Twitter handle, at Rev Eric Mason, or by visiting our page at www.anchor.fm forward slash Muslims want to know. I think you can even ask questions using your microphone or camera, and I can play those questions in future episodes. So this is a continuation of our last episode, which left us on a cliffhanger. In the last episode, you and I looked at both why and how God could become a man. We learned that humans were uniquely created in the image of the triune God, and Adam, who was the first man and representative for all of humanity, sinned along with his wife, Eve. As a result, sin and death entered this world. You and I inherit that original sin, but Lord Jesus, who is the Son of God and therefore God himself, took on flesh. And in doing this, he became both fully God and fully man in order to remove sin and death from this world through his death on the cross. And I was thinking, maybe you've heard this before. Uh, maybe a Christian friend of yours tried sharing this information with you. See, the, the question that stands before you and I today is, if Lord Jesus is fully God and fully man, how can God die? It seems like a massive contradiction, right? The triune God eternally exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. His very essence is to be. He is the great I Am. But Christians claim the Son of God takes on flesh, becoming fully God and fully man. Now, if the Son of God is fully God and fully man, wouldn't that mean if the man dies, God dies too? How is sin and death conquered if God is dead? And honestly, it's really hard to unpack such a difficult topic. Um, so we circle back once more to the question that we have today, which is, how can God die? I think before we move forward together, we should establish some kind of common ground I think there is a place you and I can start from that might shed some light on our question for this podcast. You see, when I ask my Muslim friends a certain question, it's almost always met with a resounding yes. So, let me start by asking you a question about the Quran. Do you consider the Quran the eternal word of Allah? Now, I know I can't hear you on this end, but 
My assumption is that you said, yes, absolutely. And why do you believe that? Well, in the Quran, it states in Surah 13, verse 39, God abolishes whatever he wills, and he affirms, with him is the source of the scripture. Likewise, in Surah chapter 85, verses 20 through 22, it says, And God encloses them from beyond. In fact, it is a glorious Quran in a preserved tablet. Now, according to what my Muslim friends share with me about these verses, uh, I'm willing to bet you probably also share the same beliefs. And for those of you who might not know, most Muslims believe that the Quran is the uncreated eternal word of Allah and that the Quran exists eternally on stone tablets in heaven. Remember how I said you and I can learn more about how God can die by starting on some common ground? And hopefully now you start asking the question, where are you going with this one, Eric? Well, let me start by restating the initial question. Do you consider the Quran to be the uncreated eternal word of Allah? Since we already know you answer this question with an affirming yes, absolutely, let me ask a follow-up question. So right now, I am holding up a paper copy of the Quran. So is this book the eternal word of Allah? Now my assumption is you answered one of two ways. Either you thought, no, the book is not eternal, but the words of Allah in it are eternal. Likewise, you might have also thought, of course it's the eternal word of Allah. Obviously the paper is not eternal, but the words it contains are eternal. So another follow-up question. If the paper disintegrates, is the Quran still eternal? And again, I hope you all answer, yes, of course. The book may be gone, but the Quran is still eternal. And these answers that you're now saying right now bring us back to our common ground. See, you believe that the Quran is the uncreated eternal word of God. You can also make a distinction that even if the body of the book were to fall apart, that would not change the fact the Quran exists eternally as Allah's word. And you see, this is exactly what Christians believe about Lord Jesus. If you remember from our episode on the Trinity, the Son of God is uncreated and exists eternally as the second person of the triune God. Lord Jesus took on flesh, becoming both fully God and fully man. So, if Lord Jesus is the eternal Son of God and took on flesh to become both fully God and fully man, if he dies as a man, does he cease to be the eternal Son of God? And the answer, of course, is no, absolutely not. The body may be dead, but the Son of God is still uncreated and eternal. So, how can God die? Well, we just proved that God can take on flesh, live and die as a man, and yet still eternally be God. So great, this episode's done, right? Well, not quite yet. There are still several points we need to cover before we move on to some of your other questions. You see, when we left our previous conversation, I made several points that might have seemed odd at the time, 
but hopefully will be fleshed out in the podcast today. Point number one. Only a blood sacrifice could remove the sins from this world. Point number two. To satisfy the justice of God, a blood sacrifice which held infinite grace was required to atone for sins. Point number three. The only one who can extend such grace to humanity was God himself. As such, the Son of God had to fully become man, being born like us, suffering like us, and dying like us. I hope you are paying attention to those points very carefully because what I'm about to tell you will sound crazy without fully understanding that why the Son of God had to die is as important as how he can die. And here is the Christian claim. Lord Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, purchased our forgiveness through his blood shed on the cross. In that way, we were forgiven. He then rose from the dead three days later in a glorified body, and in that way, he conquered death. Now, I know there are questions and objections swirling around in your head right now. Primarily the fact that the Quran states, in Surah chapter 4, verse 157, it says, And for their saying, We have killed the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, the messenger of God. In fact, they did not kill him, nor did they crucify him, but it appeared to them as if they did. Indeed, those who differ about him are in doubt about him. They have no knowledge of it except the following of assumptions. Certainly, they did not kill him. In the next podcast, I will be answering the question, Did Lord Jesus really die on the cross? But for now, I'm focusing on how could he die in the first place. Now you can say, wait a minute, I thought you just explained how God can die. Yes, I did. But even though we can prove that it's possible, it still leaves us with some questions. I mean... If God is all-knowing and all-powerful, how could the Son of God allow himself to be killed? You see, Christians believe that Lord Jesus died, but not in any way that people typically think about death. Lord Jesus was not taken surprise at being betrayed, arrested, and then killed on a cross. In fact, he allowed himself to die. And this is confirmed by Lord Jesus when he says, in John chapter 10, verse 17, This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. So according to Lord Jesus, the laying down of his life was part of of God's plan from the beginning. If you recall from our last episode, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the Lord cursed Satan, saying, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Satan and his work which brought sin and death into the world, would be undone by the offspring of the woman. The male offspring from that woman will then be struck on his heel in the process. 
Now, this promise from God is what Christians call the Proto-Evangelion. Fun fact. The Proto-Evangelion is a term in Christian theology. It is a compound Greek word which combines the words protos, which means first, and evangelion, which means good news or gospel. So, the Proto-Evangelion in Genesis is the first instance we have of God's redemptive plan for humanity. It is literally the good news or gospel for humanity. The good news announced in Genesis 3 involves the sending of the Son of God who would take on flesh in order to conquer sin and death. In the process of undoing sin and death, the male offspring would be struck. This foreshadows the death of Lord Jesus. Remember our three points? Point number one. Only a blood sacrifice could remove the sins from this world. Point number two. To satisfy the justice of God, a blood sacrifice which held infinite grace was required to atone for sins. Point number three. The only one who can extend such grace to humanity was God himself. As such, the Son of God had to fully become a man, being born like us, suffering like us, and dying like us. Picking up from our last episode, we learned God provided animal skins to Adam and Eve after they had sinned. This was the first instance when blood was used to atone for the sins of humanity. Although Adam and Eve could not recover their pristine condition and were now corrupted by sin and death, God stepped in with a blood sacrifice so that Adam and Eve's sins would be atoned for. And that brings us to point number one. Only a blood sacrifice could remove the sins from this world. There is a problem, though. The blood of animals is not enough to take away the sins of the world. There are not enough animals in the world to make up for the sins in our hearts. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1-4 through 4 says, Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered? Since the worshipers, purified once and for all, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And that brings us to point number two. To satisfy the justice of God, a blood sacrifice which held infinite grace was required to atone for sins. God is the only being who can forgive sins, not angels and not men. Yet, a once-for-all blood sacrifice was needed to atone for sins. Now we arrive at our final point. The only one who can extend such grace to humanity was God himself. Lord Jesus offered his own life as a once-for-all sacrifice. Because he was fully God and fully man, his death held infinite graces which cover all sins and satisfied the blood sacrifice. And this is why Hebrews chapter 10 verses 11 through 12 says, 
every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, Lord Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Now, why would Lord Jesus do this? Why would he give up his life? The answer, my friend, circles back to love. You see, there are many forms of love. The love between a husband and wife, the love between friends, or love between a father and son. But for our purpose, I want to use a definition of love coined by St. Thomas Aquinas. Love is to will the good of the other. Remember, love is an eternal quality of the triune God. And to love is to will the good of the other. Therefore, God can do nothing but will the good of us who were created in his image. It's because of this overwhelming, unstoppable love that God the Son took on flesh to redeem and glorify humanity. And he did this through his death and resurrection. He could do no other thing than will the good at the cost of his own life. Now, you might think, is God really that interested in his creation? Oh, absolutely. We must remember, because love so overflows from the Father to the Son, the Father expresses his affection toward the Son by freely creating everything through and for the Son. The Son becomes the blueprint for all creation. So, the Father loves the Son and the Holy Spirit breathes life into creation. The overwhelming, unstoppable love of God, which is his glory then extends outward and is shared with all of creation. And humans who were created in the image of God were designed to image that love toward God, toward each other, and toward creation. And here's some really wonderful news. The triune God is invested in his creation. God the Father is invested in the gift of creation, which was made in and through and for his Son. God the Son is invested in the gift of his Father. And God the Holy Spirit, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, is invested in everything he breathed life into. Would you like more proof of God's love? In John chapter 3, verse 16, Lord Jesus says, For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And so, yes, once again, we circle back around to our theme for this podcast. Yes, God died, but not in any way that we think. The body of Lord Jesus expired, but the uncreated, eternal Son of God did not cease to exist. Lord Jesus died for the forgiveness of all sins, and he did it because he can do nothing else but will the good of the other. Essentially what I'm saying is this. God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And he loves all of humanity. When Lord Jesus lived, he taught us how much God loves us. Not just by dying for our sins, not just by being raised from the grave and being resurrected and conquering death, but by showing us what a love rightly ordered looks like.
And what do I mean by that? Well, humans were designed to image love toward God, toward each other, and creation. Essentially, he designed us to be in relationship with him. But when sin entered the world, the love which was meant to be an outward expression turned inward. When Lord Jesus took on flesh, he modeled a right order of love for us to follow. He perfectly loved God. He perfectly loved his fellow man and perfectly loved creation. As God, he fully revealed God's immeasurable, unstoppable love for humanity. And as man, he did it in our space and time. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this about Lord Jesus. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. When he died on the cross, Lord Jesus showed us the depth of that love. In fact, Lord Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, verse 13, No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Now maybe you're still thinking, I don't think God could care about me or humanity like that. Well, I hope this episode is proof that Christians really believe the triune God does care. And what I find fascinating myself is that regardless of what we personally believe, you know, God does care about us all. Our belief or our unbelief cannot stop God's love. But there's something unique about Christianity. See, Christians do believe that to truly experience that love means we must make a proclamation in our lives. You see, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, saying Jesus is Lord means surrendering one's life to him and obeying his commands like anyone would obey a king's commands. This leap of faith is like making a 180-degree turn in our lives. It means turning straight around. It means we say no to all the desires of our previous life and turn into the unstoppable, immeasurable, loving embrace of the triune God. And We believe that when we make that turn, the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates us, not only giving us new hearts, but through his power, drawing us as adopted sons and daughter into God's loving embrace. Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children, and if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. I hope this has been an enlightening episode for you. I know the more you learn about why Christians believe what we do, it should add greater depth to our future conversations. Unfortunately, I couldn't cover every topic I wanted to in this podcast, but I'm very much looking forward to tackling not only our next question, but many others after that. So tune in next week as I answer the question, 
Did Jesus actually die on the cross? I encourage you to study the resources I use to gather information for this week's podcast. The Bible translation I use is the Christian Standard Bible. The Quran I use is the Quran in English by Talil Itani. The books I read in preparation for this podcast were The Incarnation by St. Athanasius, The Shorter Summa by Thomas Aquinas, The Incarnation of God by John Clark and Marcus Johnson, The Lighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves, and Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. Well, that sound means it's time to wrap up. If you like this podcast, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcasting site. And as always, if you have specific questions about what you heard on the show or want me to elaborate a bit more on a point I made, you can submit questions through my Twitter handle at Rev Eric Mason. That's at R-E-V-E-R-I-C-M-A-S-O-N or by visiting our page at www.anchor.fm forward slash Muslims want to know. I think you can even ask questions using your microphone or camera, and I can play those questions in future episodes. I also encourage you to reach out to a Christian friend or coworker and ask them about things you hear on this podcast. If you hear something about Islam you did not know before, research it or ask your Muslim friends or imam about it. As always, I thank you so much for joining me this week, and God bless. Thank you.